Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, I did something to bless Brenda this past week, and it sort of led into an understanding of the stuff I was studying and, and a message. So uh, I went to see Downton Abbey, the movie, and uh, I wanted to. It's a period soap opera, but it's it's got a couple of good guys in it, and, and it has a really good story. So uh, do you mind if I, spoiler alerts, do you mind if I talk about the movie, or would you prefer I not? Go for it. Okay. Uh, old Lady Grantham dies. <laughs> you said I could go for it. <laughs> but really, the central story is about her, her life and leading up to that point. So that's, that's why, and it really affected me strongly. One, the acting is really good compared to, you know, the CW. It's... Uh, it's really good acting, and I really like Maggie Smith, you know. Uh, I've liked her for a long time. She's one of my favorite actresses, and she does such a phenomenal role as the dowager lady uh, in the film. But the, the movie's really about uh, what her family learned about her. What they didn't know about her and that there were still mysterious things about her life that she had lived and they find, start finding them out at the end and that's all the pot I'll give to you but it's also then what they learned about themselves along the journey. What they learned about life and how they navigated that and how um, really for, for Lady Grantham uh, how consistent she was in her character of the person, of her, how it guided her choices in life, and how she didn't have to tell everybody about those choices, and that she kept secrets in her heart because they were about her, and they were her secrets. And I love that because it's some of the things that, you know, how, why was it so important to you in seeing that one? Um, it's the same stuff that, that the Lord spoke to me when I was a young, young believer years and years and years ago. You know, I still have it. It's, do you have those moments in time that are emblazoned in your mind? It's just like, oh, those are called monuments uh, symbolically in the Word of God where the, they would put rocks together and say, God showed me this or God met me. So they're referred to in your Bible Throughout, the, especially throughout the Old Testament, is the ancient landmarks. So they would set landmarks. So I had, and that's sort of what that movie was like. And it also reminded me of my ancient landmarks. You know, of being a, a young believer. Still, I was a young guy in the Air Force. wasn't that young, but a young man. And uh, I was at. I was. Uh, in the military, I was a police officer and I was a dog handler, so I worked in canine, if you ever see that. And out at the kennels, we had this in Arizona, I don't know why, but they had an old hand pump, probably that was with the original building or when they established the air base or something. They, 
they dug a well out there, I guess, to where they had the kennels in order for the dogs to have water and build a building there. But there was an old just stone cement slab with a pump on it. And uh, I had been going to these classes at a church that we were attending called men's discipleship classes. And they met every Monday night. And I actually looked forward more to those than I did Sunday morning. And they were just so meaningful to me. And they were training me. And they were speaking about getting um, a life scripture. You know, and different guys were given their testimony. And the Lord spoke to me. You know, yea, you shall go to the nations, says the Lord. You know, you had to speak old King James English right then in order to know that it was God. You know, thus saith the Lord. Why? You know, it was, uh, but it was wonderful. And so I really thought, yeah, okay. So how do you do this? I didn't know much. Uh, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I had my Bible with me. I'm sitting with my back against that water pump. Now think of the image of that. Full water. I said, Lord, would you just give me a life verse for me? And I heard inside of me, and, and he, the Holy Spirit actually said Psalm 90, verse 12. And I opened my Bible, and guess what it opened to? Is he grabbed it and opened it. And I didn't know the Bible. No, I knew it was someplace in the middle. I just opened it. What's it open to? Psalm 90 with the page on it, verse 12. And it says this, So cause me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. I thought, that's it? <laughs> that, that's what you want? You know? And that's what he did my whole life. He set my life with that verse. And my whole life's been a pursuit of the wisdom of God and wisdom in my own life because I, I, could, I made a lot of stupid mistakes. And I didn't want to keep making them. And I wanted the wisdom of God. And so it generated this. And that movie reminded me of all that because this dowager, this old woman who's getting ready to die. Matter of fact, in the movie, I hope we get to go that way, the way she went, which she just decided that it was, it was her time, and she died with her family all around her, and just went home, and uh, that was pretty cool. But I just realized that for each of us, and how important it is that in your knowledge of God, your knowing God, that you ask him for those special times. doesn't matter what age you are. You can be older now, or you can be a teenager. I know got a lot of teens in here this morning or children that are in the back. You can be a child and ask the Lord to give you that kind of understanding, and this is what he will do it. He will do it. We're going to look at a verse this morning that's very important regarding that. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it's, Peter says, But grow in the grace and knowledge, and we'll look later at chapter 1, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Most of my Christian upbringing, most of my early life, most of my Christian life in growing meant that you sinned less and you were a better person, and you were trying to become within yourself more Christ-like. Does that sound familiar? That's what, it, you know, if I was really growing, you know, 
um, then it meant I wasn't doing as much bad stuff and I wasn't thinking bad thoughts and I wasn't, I wasn't being bad Lloyd. Bad Lloyd. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, I was real good at that. Did you ever shame yourself? You remember this when you were little? Don't you remember that? That was, you guys are, the young ones won't remember that because they use different sign language today. But back when I was a little boy, yeah, read between the lines, uh, that was really bad out on the playground. You go, shame on you, shame on you, is what they'd say. Well, being very familiar with that, I wanted to, if I didn't do things that brought shame, that meant that I was growing, right? Wrong. That's not growing. It has nothing to do with growing in grace and knowledge. And the other thing that I used to believe, I don't know if you're like I am, that uh, mostly it had to do with me doing a Bible study. If I, if I understood the Bible better, then I was growing in knowledge. And certainly the study of the Word of God is both important and necessary for each of our lives. But I believe today it's so much more than that. Um, think of all the saints before the Bible, before we did publishing, before we could do printing. Think of all the saints who lived on the earth that loved and knew and had the knowledge of God and didn't have a Bible. As a matter of fact, to even carry a part of the Bible would have been a, <clears throat> a great effort on an individual's part because it was a big, heavy thing. They didn't walk around with a little Bible in their hands. And they loved God with their whole hearts and he loved them and he released his understanding to them. And it evangelized the known world at the time. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be dependent on the written word, but what I'm saying is it's so much more than the written word. We'll, use, we'll look at it later to see how it's combined with things. But it's through knowledge, the knowledge of God, that we become aware. <laughs> but knowledge without grace, um, all that does is sort of puff you up. You know something. But grace is there, and that's why Peter said this, that we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Have you ever thought about growing in grace? Have you ever prayed? Oh, God, let me grow in grace. So I, I'm do, I went to Downton Abbey, I'm doing this, and I want to go, oh, God, if I really am to number all of my days in such a way that I can gain a heart of wisdom, then that's going to take great grace. Because it takes grace, which is your unmerited favor, to understand any aspect of you. Whether I get that through the reading of the word, or I get that through talking with you. Now, most people go into their religious language when they pray. You may still be doing that. If you do, and I'm stepping on your toes, the word says you have to forgive me. <laughs> but it says, isn't it strange how we change our language when we start praying instead of talking to God about where we're at and who he is and asking him, just treating him like he's there. 
Wouldn't that be a wonderful aspect if you were God? To know that somebody actually is talking to you and they, they're convinced in their heart that you're there and they just want to talk to you? Now, if it's one of my kids, man, anymore, because my kids are all grown up and adults, you get a text and it's like, yeah! And you read that baby and there's nothing, you know? Had a hard day at work. Yeah, but he spoke to me. How much more God our Father when one of his children goes, oh God, I had a hard day today. And he goes, yeah, come here and talk to me about it. And it's just that, instead of that, oh thou most high God, who sitteth on his throne, wouldst thou... Now, I'm over-exaggerating on how we change our language, but we move into these strange modes, don't we? Instead of just being in God and having a knowledge and say, God, it hasn't been going too good today. And just, just talking with them. And that's really what prayer is. I struggled a lot with prayer this summer. Not in doing it, just in understanding its purpose. Um, you know, and I, I've been doing this a long time now and teaching other people a long time. You know, what's a teacher? Uh, Teacher's a dead man talking to dead people about the most alive thing in the universe. So it's, you know, it's this, God, does prayer really count? Do you go through that? Does this mean anything to you? I can tell you from the grace and knowledge of God a resounding yes not to get him to change his mind and, you know, get up off your throne and give us a little bit here. But more in the sense of prayer is for me uh, to understand that God's there. Do you ever watch the movie Shadowland? Have I asked that in here before? You really should watch it and download it or get it if you haven't. It's a, it's a, it's a fictional biographical sketch of C.S. Lewis's life of what he went through not his writings, not his book though, though the book is mentioned often throughout the film the Chronicles of Narnia and that, but about his life and how, what he went through life and the experience he had and how important it is and that we can enjoin ourselves with God through the experience and what prayer does, and there's a, there's a line and a refrain and a theme that runs throughout the movie, is they show him teaching a class. And it's a literature class. It's in England, so they do classes a little bit differently. It's five people in a room. And he asks the students, he says, why do we read? And they give various answers. And he said, we read so that we know we're not alone. And then that theme keeps going through the whole movie, including him falling in love, and then his wife getting, I'm doing a spoiler alert, his wife gets cancer and dies, if you know the, the story of his life. It really did happen. But at the end of the movie, it's, we love, so we know we're not alone. We pray, so we know we're not alone. Prayer is that 
harness between us and God by which we can grow in grace and knowledge. It's really important to pray for grace and knowledge because it's knit together. Uh, By it, we begin to understand God. I always thought that came through study. It doesn't come through study. It comes through that, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And the knowledge of Jesus is found in your Bible, but it's not your Bible. You can find God in there, but he's outside of that. God wants us to know what he's like. It moves us also to know how truly dependent we are upon his goodness of what he releases to us. Um, And we become, if I said to you, how well do you know God? How would you respond? You actually asked me to answer? I do want you to think about it. Isn't the question, how well does he know us? Part of it. From the very beginning. Huh? That's how, that's how we all answer. And which is a truth, isn't it? I, I know him, but oh, I, isn't it what Paul wrote? He went, he went, oh, that I might know him. It was the cry of his heart. It was that sitting against a pump in a desert, an old water pump going, God, I want to know you. So cause me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. The knowledge of God is such a precious, dear thing. It's so dear. Jesus came so that people would understand God. Now, did he come to die for us? Yes. But he came as the express image of God. And it was his heart to reveal who he was. So you see him at the end and you go to John 14. uh, Such an intimate time just before he dies. And he starts talking to his disciples in an intimate way. He starts telling them what he's going to go through. He starts talking about the knowledge of God. And he looks at them and we know the response. Because he starts talking about the Father. And what does Philip say? Show us the Father. It's a heart cry in each of us, isn't it? The knowledge of God. And Jesus is sitting right there. And what's his response to Philip? Three and a half years, buddy, I've been walking with you. Three and a half years. He says, when you look at me, you see the Father. You see God. That's why the Bible's so important. Is I can look at what Jesus was like. But it's not the most important thing because God wants to reveal to each one of us through that hidden language of prayer himself. Not just so that you can have the knowledge of God, but you can't ever have the knowledge of you without the knowledge of God. You are linked 
you're linked in a, in a, in a very expression of who God is. And what is he like? Well, I love what Graham Cook wrote. This is from a few years ago in, his, in his, one of his sites. But Cook declared, God is most consistent person you will ever deal with. He will never change in his stance towards you. Isn't that wonderful? The paradox, though, of God is that he is consistent and unpredictable. Now, that goes clear back to the opening with Downton Abbey. That's exactly how the dowager was. She was very consistent and very unpredictable in how she would respond. Um, God is always consistent in his nature. It says of this of him, he changes not. So the Jesus you see has not changed. Now, here, here's the thing that throws us. Well, how come, how, if I'm supposed to grow in grace and knowledge, and Jesus said, if my eye sins, pluck it out. Jesus was fulfilling the law. What has changed is our covenant with him. The cross changed all that. And he fulfilled everything that we couldn't. When that enters your heart is the knowledge of God, you will grow in grace. When you realize that he accomplished something on our behalf, uh, it changes. You can always know where God is with you. God is not going to love you more on the day that you die and go stand before him than he does right now. How much does he love me? He sent his only begotten son that you might understand him. How much does he love me? to exchange his life for yours. He didn't die for you. He died as you. So that you could live as him, Romans 6 says, unto God. This is the knowledge of God. This is a change. This is a, this is a harness I can get in and grow. I can grow in my wisdom and my understanding, my life choices. You can always know where you are with God and you can seldom know what he's going to do next. Has your life been a shock to you? Brenda and I used to listen to these old tapes from these orphans in Ireland, from, from the Republic of Ireland. And there's this one little girl who talks about John the Baptist and she calls him a holy shocking saint. Man, God has shocked me. He has shocked me. Not just loved me. He has shocked me with his blessings. He has shocked me about what he did and what he didn't do. He shocked me my whole life. I have had such, profound, such a profound life with God. And is it because you're more special, Lloyd? No, it's because I'm special. Get rid of the more. 
no different than anybody else. I'm special because he loves me. So are you. You're special because he loves you. And you can grow in the grace and knowledge of that. That he doesn't change, but he wants to surprise the daylights out of you. Who's responsible for it? Age-old question. Are you responsible for the grace and knowledge of God, or is God responsible for the grace and knowledge of God? And the answer is yes. Yes, you're responsible, and God's responsible. And he works it in a harness of relationship with us to reveal who he is to us. God wants to and will reveal himself to you. Now, sometimes we get into pretty good denial skills that it was God. I, I've even said, oh, that couldn't have been the Lord when it was. He shocked me with things that he did. He is the holy, shocking saint of all time. In John chapter 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Stunning, isn't it? Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. That also means he's not going to let go. We sang it this way. I was going, oh God, you weave the songs right into what this is about. God's got you right here. Talk to him. You know what he'll do? right back into you blow life right back into you my sheep hear my voice I'm not going to get very far in this today so I'm going to close with a story from my own life of hearing God and I've, I've got to hear God I, I've, I've never built a ministry around my what some would call prophetic or my spiritual experience in that because as he spoke that verse to me I also knew this that the secret of the Lord was with those who fear him he spoke that other verse to me and so I've carried things uh, and that's why Doubt and Abby reminded me of that because the, the Lady Gratham carries secrets in her hearts of occurrences that she had happen and she carried them her whole life and it gets found out at the end and they're wonderful secrets But I just didn't feel like it was right to use personal interactions that I was having with my understanding of the grace and knowledge of God as a basis of building a platform to build ministry out of. But man, I had got to have such profound experiences. Profound. And so when I was 35, and I'd longed to hear all those years, so... That whole episode at the pump happened when I was 24, so go 11 years later, 11 years later, and uh, I was 35 years old, and I was felt pretty mature at that age. I realize now that you're probably really not mature until you're 40 or 45. Uh, that's when you start coming into your functional years. Uh, you don't really feel like an adult is 25, do you? No offense to anybody that's 25, but you sort of pretend. 
you, you start play acting. You start playing house and, and trying to be an adult. And then you have kids and learn you don't know anything about adulting at all. And you knew way more about raising kids before you had them. You tracking with me? Well, I decided when I was 35 years of age, and I felt like I had, I'd been pretty successful. I had a successful career. I had two careers, actually. I was successful in the Air Force and then got out after seven years. And then I went in the political realm and had a very, it was an ongoing, very successful generation in my heart where I was constantly stunned with the things that God did, that whole thing that I just talked about, about being stunned not knowing what God would do next with my life. And then I got this funny thought in my head that I really needed to serve God full time. I don't know what that meant because at 35, I was still pretty immature. But I ended up resigning a, a position with the Arizona House of Representatives and to go on staff at a church that I'd been being the volunteer youth leader. They even called me pastor, though I didn't know what that meant because I didn't like people very well. And uh, I resigned and Brenda squealed and uh, we took a two-thirds cut in salary. <clears throat> and one of the things I asked the pastor that I was going to work with I would like to go back, and I don't know when I'll get to do this again, but I would like to go back to the Midwest, and I want to see Brenda's family, and I want to see my family, and I want to see this church that I've been listening to these tapes that we'd gotten them from. It was uh, Kansas City Fellowship. And, uh, and he said, yeah, go ahead and do that. And so I came back, and it was, the year was 1986, and uh, I went to, it's now called the Forerunner Church, uh, that play, the one in Grandview and there was a prophetic guy there by the name of Bob Jones and um, I hadn't met him I didn't know who he was I had listened to stuff on tapes about him and a friend of mine introduced us at the end of the service and he did one of those things we used to call this reading your mail so he read my mail and I'd had a tough week and he described everything that had been happening to me and about who I was and uh, it's really weird when somebody does that I don't know if you've had those kind of spiritual experiences it was really really strange because I was as I was walking up he was pointing at me uh, talking about that I had just uh, changed careers and I was now a pastor and uh, that my life was getting ready to dramatically change and I was like God, if this guy's for real, would you please give me some discernment here? And he goes, yep, yep. He says, matter of fact, he's got discernment. He's trying to discern my spirit right now. And you're going, how can he know what I'm thinking? Well, it was just God. It was just grace and knowledge of God trying to reach down in an unexpected way into a young man's life. But what he told me is he said, well, told me some different things about my life and the ministry I was called to and da 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 and he said well the Lord tells, tells me he's going to visit you tomorrow what on earth does he mean 
you ought to try and go to sleep after somebody just read your mail and then tell you you're going to get a visitation from God the next day. Well, I was leaving the next day to go back to Arizona to do my first tour of duty in full-time ministry. Um, Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock, midnight, and I'm going, oh God, when? Will it be at 1 a.m.? Will it be at 6? Will it happen? Am I going to be disappointed? discouraged. I finally fell asleep, got up the next morning very early and got in my truck and Brenda stayed back there, back in, here in Kansas City with the kids. And I'm driving on the turnpike and I get out of Kansas City and I'm getting trying to get prepared for a visitation, whatever that means. Who, you know, am I, I know what it means to visit a hospital or visit an old relative. And I worshiped for a while to my nine, you know, spontaneous worship songs from the vineyard to get my heart right and uh, did that. And then finally I just shut everything off and I'm on the Kansas Turnpike and it's getting like towards eight or nine o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden it gets intensely foggy and just keeps getting more dense and more dense. And back then the speed limit was 55 and I'm at 45, 35. So I'm gonna have to drive slower and slower. I can't see anything. Don't see traffic coming or anything. And I'm just out of the blue. I'm in an intense fog and I hear a voice. Outside of me, not inside, Outside of me, I hear an audible voice. The voice says, young man. And I, you know, you think each one of us, if you're a Christian and you're doing that, you've been told it's going to happen, that you go, yes, Lord, your servant is prepared. Speak to me. Or some eloquent response. I was going, I'm 35 years old, and he called me young man. And I couldn't say anything. It scared me so bad that my tongue stuck to the roof of my mouth. I couldn't get any, I didn't know if I was supposed to say what or here am I. Uh, whatever. I couldn't say anything. And the time went like two or three seconds, which felt like a millennium. And he said again, Young man, I have something to say to you. All I could get out, I was 35 years old. When he said it, I felt like such a little boy. All I could get out was a squeak. And I said, yes, sir. Like a 12-year-old. He spoke into my heart and he said, three different things but the one that I want to focus on is for each of us this morning because growing in grace and knowledge has to do with his desire for you to mature he wants us to mature and he said to me the sin of youth is to react and the wisdom of age is to respond and then he did say to me you've been a reactor and I have words for it, understanding for it now, because it was like a computer screen went, and all the files came down of all the times I had reacted in situations of life and done damage to myself and other people. And I knew I'd been a reactor. 
I knew that that word, the wisdom, so helped me so number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. He was saying the same thing to me 11 years later and saying, seek the knowledge and grace that I have. And that the immature heart doesn't trust God because it doesn't know that He's consistent always in His behavior and wildly unpredictable in His responses over your life. That's the God you want. That's the God you need all the days of your life. Will I get those kind of experiences? I have no idea. I did, and I held them as secrets in my heart for long times. I talk about them now. Um, man, he wants to reveal himself to you. There was so much more that happened. We don't have time to go into all of it because there was so much more that happened in that road and that encounter. But it set the course of my life to know. God, I believe that there's even ones in here this morning. I can't prophesy a visitation to you, but God has all your days numbered and he has a road that's already prepared. The steps of a righteous person are ordered of God. Every step of the way, when you will marry, when you won't marry, when you will birth, when you won't birth, when you will have, when you won't have, what you will have and what you won't have, they're all numbered. The exploration of life is God will always be consistent in his nature towards you. And he will always surprise you with who he is. Always. Always. And in all ways, he will surprise you. Let's pray for him to surprise you this week. If you're old, receive this. If you're in the middle, receive this. If you're young, receive this. Why not you? I'm the kid from Janesville, Iowa. I wasn't anything special. I'm still not special today, except I am truly loved of God. And so are you. May I pray for you? Lord, I pray right now for the grace and knowledge of God to come to each one of these special children of yours. Each one that you love and that you want to nourish. Each one that you care for. Each one. I pray, Lord, for them right now that the experiences I had with you would be for them also in their portion. How they can receive you. How they can know you. Lord, you show up to each of us differently in a different way. But you do it so that we know we're in you. And we can grow in the grace and knowledge of that. Lord, I pray for the sweeping revelation through the power of the Holy Spirit for the grace and knowledge of God to enter each heart, fresh and new. Lord, so often we just have church. Would you make it fresh and new? That today there would be a cataclysmic change and that there would be visitations that happen this week, large and small, and that it would be a secret that someone could hang on to, each person here, 
that a secret that you would give, that you would whisper back into their life about you and about them would occur. I ask these things because you are a good and generous Father. I ask for these things because our Father is just like Jesus. And Jesus promises He would not withhold good things. Grant those unto us, I pray this day. That July 3rd, 2022 was a day that I have a secret with God. Throughout the day, throughout the evening and tomorrow, that the celebration of fireworks would be exploding in the heart of believers. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you love on each other as you go?